Welcome back everyone on the second episode of Beyond the Boardroom which is the season 3 of Mycast the official podcast of Myca the guest we have today is someone who has been there and done that particularly when it comes to the Mycon experience he is an alumnus of Myca from the 2015 batch and has been part of organizations like Arvind Limited and Reliance Retail currently he looks after the O2O business for Ajio and heads the premium and luxury brand segment welcome siddharth we're delighted to have you with us Thanks for inviting me, Piyush. Uh, very excited to reconnect with the Mike and Fraternity. Mike has been one of the most uh, evolving phases of my life so far. So I guess we'll revisit some of our memories and have a great conversation. Yeah, great. So post Mike, you got into retail. Can you please share with us on your journey on retail and how has it been for you so far? As a young graduate, I was just eager to take off from the campus into the corporate world. and the retail was something which just happened to me um amid the chaos where a lot of different companies which were coming in the advertising the consulting and all of different uh, domains which we had i didn't have particular aspirations i just wanted to go there be absorbed in the corporate world and uh, leave it with my own mark and i was lucky to get absorbed as a management trainee one of the india's largest fashion retail company which was arvin and uh, uh, touchwood i have been lucky to have very great mentors uh, uh, lovely people to work with who gave me a lot of learning guided me through it uh, had some ups and downs in terms of different profiles different uh, experiences across on my background before arvind was uh, had no fa- fashion whatsoever so uh, i just wanted to kind of go in there soak in the maximum kind of leave some kind of impression on the people i work with and fortunately i had an opportunity to intertwine things uh, with the things which i enjoyed personally in my professional world so be it traveling be it meeting people uh, seeing how different cultures and different uh, people in different parts of the country interact when it comes to fashion fashion purchases how different brands resonate with different cultures where there are certain brands which are very strong in different parts of the country where are there certain brands uh, where there are certain segments in society which just look at an apparel as a piece of apparel and they just want to go and buy that so i had this mix learning uh, i would consider this 5 years as more more of a learning experience great at that so you know it's been quite some time you're working in this industry now and uh, all three of us right here right now are i think 90s kids and retail then was a very different scenario yeah yeah cut to 2020 a major chunk of retail shopping is now happening on the digital platforms so tell me what are some of the key differences and similarities in the retail space in these two eras so i think most of us are 90s kids or we have been born in 80s or millennials if we call them we have grown up through 90s and then we have ourselves become consumers and the market currently is designed and uh, is functioning to target these kind of consumers who are now uh, late uh, 20s or early 30s who have power to spend money have disposable income but if you look at it when you were in 90s when we were in 90s as kids uh, the way 90s retail of um happened or when how the functioning of the retail in 90s happened was very different people would once in once in a quarter once in two months they would pick a day where a family of four would go out do their amount of shopping uh, diwalis and holis were the key uh, key times where shopping would happen or be durga puja cut to early 2000s which is uh, the new segment of uh, actor and actresses came in uh, where brands became brands kuch kuch hota hai became a iconic thing 
is when your most of your organized retailers and the mall concept started to flow in and the early the college kids would spend their uh, post college hours in a mall or families would go out on a weekday evening as well or after office hours would end up being in a mall and uh, do their uh, bit of shopping almost every suburb or every city would at least have one mall destination and people would spend their hours doing shopping and from a monthly or a bi-monthly process it became more of a weekly process where you would spend some money if not becoming a high ticketed item so where instead of spending some few thousands you would spend just a couple of thousand but on a more frequent basis that's where retail came into and cut to now 2000 after 2014 or 2015 onwards is where we are seeing this e-commerce piece coming in where now shopping has become more of a convenience thing it's become a less involved purchase if i would say but more of a habit forming thing so it's become more of an opportunity based what are you looking to do how are you wanting to spend so if you're traveling over a weekend to somewhere and you would want to buy something you would order it on a monday you would get it by a wednesday thursday so that you're sorted for a weekend so i think retail over a period of has time has changed it has become more organized yes there is a certain definitely a good portion of retail in india which is still unorganized which is happening through mom and pop stores i think post covid that equation might change but overall people the way uh, the mind space the more involved purchase or how how much time a person makes to make a choice has reduced and that is also because of the kind of assurance which a brand would give so that's how the retail has changed uh, from 90s to 2000s and i think it's going to become more convenient based people their attention span is reducing so thereby their time to ponder over things to make choices is also reducing they just want to go there and pick whatever they want they whatever they like yeah can we also say so that that the window shopping culture that used to exist in those times has now been replaced by the add to cart feature that's available on almost every app very much very much so add to cart wish list is what they call it uh, you put 10 products into the cart share it with your friend in fact i i was very surprised to know uh, after coming into the e-commerce side of the things where one of the very commonly used features with the, most of the millennials is that where they like a product and share it as a link on a whatsapp chat for them to get an approval from their peer groups you send it across and then you get a thumbs up emoji on your whatsapp which acts as an approval and that's where you buy the things are changing things are becoming more dynamic so it's becoming more of a a transactional thing rather than an involved based purchase unless you are buying into those luxury goods or more of high involved uh, sort after purchase or once a quarter purchase so that's how it has been yeah so that was an elaborate description of how things have been shaping since the 90s and how the consumer journeys have also changed so if we now move on to the sector that you are a part of right now yeah so we'd be glad if you could talk a bit about the challenges that you feel are in the online retail space and when it comes to building a sustainable proposition and that too from the consumer's perspective and not burning the margins to scale up and that if we if you could also add in the covid scenario so how do you see that shaping up in my opinion you may ch- start out a new channel so initially when when e-commerce started okay most of the retailers most of the known brands or most of even the top notch retailers who would have their shops and all looked at e-commerce as a separate channel saying okay i have a separate channel and uh, that's how retail evolved with saying that okay now there is a fourth channel which is the e-commerce channel how e-commerce functioned is that okay let's see uh, from a very flipkart mintra possibility these people do not have to have a real estate in in a prime spot inside the city so there is no particular mintra shop which is there in one particular mall 
which helps them save a lot of rentals and all their operational expenditures, which is they call it OPEX. Saving that money, they passed it on to customer in form of heavy discounts for which they would have to earlier go to a particular mall or a particular store and try it out and all. So Mintras and Flipkarts and all, even Ajio started with where they said that initially, okay, let's start business by getting customers. This was most most often uh, passed as a customer acquisition cost to give them a, a lucrative offer, which they would succumb to and come back to shop on Ajio. They like the product, they keep it. If they do not like it, they can just have an easy return. So initially, it all started in that form. Currently, if you look at it, when you talk about sustenance, when you talk about sustainable model without burning margins and all, I think it is about the value that one wants to create. Discount as a value proposition was also a value that was one creating. That if you want to buy a cool brand at a very uh, economical pricing, go online and shop it. But over a period of time, if you look at it, in fact, I personally was a not not a very strong advocate of a service industry because e-commerce for me is more of service industry. It's less of a product. And if you look at in in the recent past, before Ola, you had this uh, one uh, a cab uh, booking app, which where you could dial a number and they would reserve a cab for you, and that cab would come in the morning. And it was considered to be very revolutionary or very uh, different out of the box, where on a single phone call you could book a cab. Now that model has become redundant to a new model where you can you have an app where you can just uh, book a cab on app and you can see all the nearby cabs on your app. Similarly, this model might also evolve further on. And unless the technology keeps evolving, one might become redundant as the previous one did. So I personally was not a very strong advocate of a service industry. But now looking in this current scenario where we are in 2020 uh, with whatever is happening around us is happening. uh, Service industries also have evolved over a period of time by creating those sticky journeys. So I think that sticky journey is the UI, UX, which is the user interface and user experience. How simple is it to use the app? How convenient is it? How fast do I get things? So Amazon Prime is a particular example that people are wanting to pay that additional membership for a Prime, keeping the Prime video aside, but the Prime service, which for the service, it is invisible that unless you order something, you will get it early. There is nothing else that you get in. So that service itself has become a value proposition where people are now moving away from discounts that for me now discounts are not a major driver but conveniences i know i want to know which will be that uh, service provider which will give me a hassle-free experience if i want a product in next 24 hours which app will it give me which app will allow me to uh, get the product in next 24 hours without having any hassles of payments returns whatsoever so I think it's now becoming that service industry or, or, or this whole shopping experience, be it offline or online, is becoming more of this experience. Therefore, if you see, a lot of brands are also talking about things like which are unheard of, which is lifetime alterations. So people are now looking, apart from discounts, they're also looking at value propositions such as, for example, easy exchange and easy returns. That if you like a garment, well and good. If you do not, you'll get a doorstep refund also. Now, these are certain value propositions is where the business model is progressing towards now. And the reason being uh, the choices and the preferences of the consumers are changing. Today, if I want to watch a movie, I want it on my fingertip. That's why Netflix comes into picture. And that's where I'm moving away from my DTH yeah. provider. So attention spans are reducing. I have 30 seconds windows. So even on Facebook, when you're scrolling, you just have 30 seconds. Whichever, whoever catches your glance or catches your attention is the one who wins. And 
once things become more hassle free like airbnb for me is a very great example like their value proposition is very simple that is they provide you with home stays and opportunities to in one of those very uh, cool properties across different parts of the world and what they promise you is a very neat and clean and a very hygienic experience which is the thing which a customer wants right so i think when you talk about sustainability yes discounts were the in thing discounts were more from a customer acquisition when i start new as a retailer how, what do i do to get more customers either i can open a shop in the best mall possible which will give me a lot of footfalls or i can open a shop in a less prominent location but offer products on great prices which is discounting or the third is that i blow over the like i go off the roof and call out loud and uh, call everyone in that okay this is the brand which i have opened come in and come and shop that way mm-hmm. so there are three aspects i think discounts was the second option with a lot of online retailers opted for but now they are progressing differently they are wanting to become an integral part of their consumers life and that is by solving for hassles making it more convenient that if piyush wants to go out to a party in the evening and he wants a black shirt is there a possibility that piyush can get a black shirt in next 3 hours i i think that's where people are uh, working towards more of the retailers are uh, migrating towards commerce is more more about like uh, how i look at e-commerce is that when you go to a mall you have an ac mm-hmm. inside a mall which is become a standard yeah similarly e-commerce will be a hygiene the brands which will not have an e-commerce like bata is your india india's oldest retailer right and footwear but bata is very strong on e-commerce they have amazon they have their own dot in and they're doing extremely well e-commerce will become a hygiene it is not if or but mm-hmm. yes of course there will be certain channels of e-commerce which can be looked as a discounted models or factory outlet models which a brand can choose to participate not participate but i think e-commerce will become a hygiene discounts are here for the temporary um, i don't think it's going to be uh, a sustainable thing in long run unless people create a very addictive or uh, what they got is uh, sticky journeys yeah uh, for their consumer yeah yeah that's true but then again when we look at the retail industry sure. i feel there is one sector especially the luxury industry which has so far not been very active on the e-commerce platform but now as you just mentioned that especially post the pandemic everything has changed around us our choices preferences and our shopping behaviors also and a lot of online platforms including ajio are exploring luxury as a category so how can the online retail market provide a luxury luxurious experience for this category because we know that it was till now all about the in store experience the privilege the aspirational value or will luxury also limit to being a transactional relationship no i'm glad you asked me and in fact i would want to check with you um, in your head what what is luxury to you if if you could just name a brand product what do you think is luxury to you yes so let's say a louis vuitton handbag sure. i know that right now i am not at that stage of life where i can purchase one but yeah. surely i would like to you know work hard for it so sure. that i can achieve it what about you piyush yeah so i am into smartphones so maybe a samsung galaxy note 20 is kind of a luxury for me right now so i hear you what you guys think about luxury so as nitrid you said uh, you mentioned it it's very correct that luxury has something with the fact that it's evasive it's not everywhere mm-hmm. it's not up for grabs it is made in lesser quantities it has that exclusivity to it is what is was it called so with when you when you say that a lot of 
brands are not on e-commerce uh, luxury brands it's by choice because they don't want it to be uh, available in every nook and corner of the world they want it to be a little evasive the lot of brands knowing india has the second highest population in the world there are a lot of brands still which do not want to come to india because they don't want to be masi they want to stay away from the people and in fact truth be told there are a lot of indians in the remotest of towns of jalandhar also who would travel to us or dubai to shop one of the coolest aspirational brands which may not be available in india it's true and their rarity their non availability in their particular society in their particular community in their particular city itself makes it more luxury or more aspirational now said that why why would a brand choose not to available on e-commerce purely because they don't believe in the theory of selling in volumes they believe in selling quality selling is what they call it is i sell 10 units but i sell it to the top notch and it's a product that you could flaunt it's a product which you can possess and feel proud about so it's that kind of association and they play on the if i'm sure as my country would have heard about maslow's hierarchy so they are on the top notch where they say that okay it's about self realization where this certain product makes me feel associated mm-hmm. it makes me feel good about my own self so as nitpit said that maybe louis vuitton bag even she gets it there'll be a certain confidence she will have in life that now i have arrived now i have that spring in my stride which makes me feel that okay now i have arrived in life <laughs> she feels that i belong to a new community of yeah, people true. i i associate with my certain segment of people which i priorly couldn't when i didn't have this bag yeah yeah just one follow up question i have sadar so you mentioned that urgency is a prime factor when people are especially looking for an e-commerce channel these days so does the same hold true even for the luxury segment definitely just imagine i am that spoiled brat okay who has enough and tons of money to splurge and i like that louis vuitton bag and i want to give it to my wife in the evening today because it's her birthday or because she just got promoted today i want it in next 3 hours yeah. i'm going to splurge 50000 rupee for that stupid bag why can i not have it in next 3 hours i'll pay that that 50000 you may charge me 1000 extra for that 3 hour delivery but i want it in next 3 hours and if keeping the urgency aside just imagine how will you differentiate a a louis vuitton bag which is a bag in itself uh, versus a steam adan handbag which is also a bag if you do not add these value added features which is delivering within 3 hours having easy returns having a, what we call it as assistant shopping so for example i like a product i want to see, see it real time i want somebody to wear it and show it to me so if i can have a video chat video call uh, if i can have a home shopping can i get uh, 10 handbags at my home and pick two of them so all of these things will is about experience it's about urgency it's about creating that sticky journey right so i can just boast about to my friends you know what i ordered this louis vuitton bag and they came up to my house with mm. 15 bags and i picked two out of them it's something which i'll tell about people about right and this is something with which will create a differentiation for a luxury vis-a-vis a normal or a mass or a prestige or a premium brand that is how i look at things this is how i think it will shape up thanks for explaining the relationship between luxury and e-commerce and how they can work in harmony yeah so now we'll move on to our next segment and it's about our experts asking questions directly from the industry experts which are you so we have roped in our faculties so i'll play the first question from our faculty uh, professor subrat sarangi he teaches uh, supply chain and operations management so yeah here's the question hello 
this is Professor Subrat Sarangi. Uh, I teach at Moika courses like strategy and supply chain. Uh, last, uh, I would say about uh, eight years has been in academia. And prior to that, I have worked with uh, companies like IBM Business Consulting Services. I have worked with Avalon Consulting. And I have been at pretty senior positions as Director Consulting at iGate Putney. And at Vero, I was heading, in fact, the delivery as Vice President Market Intelligence. So, uh, Siddharth, this is my question to you. And since AGO is doing great and, uh, you know, Reliance Retail and uh, with the offline and the online format um, is doing tremendous. And especially in the COVID times uh, where, you know, people have a uh, fret to go uh, to brick and mortar stores and they are willing to, you know, do business from online stores. I wanted to touch upon the concept of supercharging, which says that uh, the first online stores are going offline where they intend to set up zero inventory stores. They assume that as shoppers come in and look at the products in the stores, they are bringing in a greater experience by which they are enhancing the online sales and also bringing in the concept of uh, you know uh, lesser returns. So in the context of AGO, uh, how do you view the concept of supercharging uh, influencing the sales uh, for, you know, for you guys? Thanks for your question, Professor. How I look at supercharging is uh, basically it's another sale point for the brand or for the retailer. Whereas for a consumer, it's an additional touch point where they can uh, fulfill their needs, requirements, as well as kind of interact with uh, brands, basically their convenience. Uh, it, internationally, this concept is still in pilot. Uh, they're trying different stages where Amazon is have setting up their first offline store where you can just scan a barcode or touch from your mobile device and just walk out and the products will be built to you. From an Agio perspective uh, or Reliance Retail perspective, we are actually uh, working with different retailers across the country in creating uh, an experience of sorts where we are solving for a lot of customer journeys which get unfulfilled or which are uh, being missed out currently for example you go to a store and uh, you try a lot of products you like try a lot of shirts and you just figure out the shirt which you liked is not there in that particular store in the size which you want and basically it's a lost opportunity for the store and you go home disappointed or you buy in something else which you didn't want or maybe compromise on your uh, purchase this can be simply solved by placing a kiosk within the store and connecting the entire inventory across that particular brand or that particular retailer across the universe of stores, warehouses, all of that he has. So the shirt which you liked in the size you wanted might be relinquishing in a, a, in a store in um, Chandigarh or in Bombay or in, in, in Guwahati, for example. Why can that shirt not travel to you? Because the fact that you came to the store, you liked it and you wanted it. Similarly, you are on an airport and you have some time at your hand and you want to do some kind of shopping, why can you not just walk into any store, see the entire collection of the store, not by just making them place every merchandise there, but putting it on a screen and have an endless aisle at your fingertip. So all of these are different possibilities. Uh, India as a market is a great market to explore all of these. Thank you so much, Siddharth, sir. And uh, we had also told our batchmates that we will be interviewing uh, one of our Mikan alumnus and he's also currently working in the retail industry. So we got quite an interesting set of questions from the students as well, out of which we've picked up two and we'd like to ask those questions from you. The first question is from Sneha Shanoi. She's a student of PGP-1. 
So her question is, with the unlock in phase, is everyone still going to focus on online or is it going to go back to being omni-channel? My uh, simple answer to that is that online and offline initially were looked as two channels. Now, I think people call it digital, people call it omni-channel, some call it new commerce, some call it O2O. All of these different names to the same concept where things will merge, things will come together to make customer life easy. Customer is the king at the end of the day. He or she may choose where they want to shop, how they want to shop and what they want to shop. And once they decide on to shopping a certain product on a certain channel during a certain hour, it is our retailer's job to make it available. And therefore, I do not see after COVID or even before COVID, I think the world was coming together. Post-COVID, people have become more cautious about venturing out. So therefore, opportunities for e-tailers or newcomers or omnichannel has increased. But at the end of the day, if what will what will a retailer do if its inventory is lying at the store? He or she will have to connect that inventory to the e-commerce channel to make it accessible for their customer, wherever they are. So it's going to be merging in short. Uh, people are going to choose whichever channel they want to. And if I'm a finicky customer, I like to only see the product and buy it. It has to be there in the store as well. Yeah, true. So the second question is from Jay Srivastava. He's also a PGP1 student. So he's asking, what are some of the innovations that can be expected in the retail industry in the foreseeable future? So I think uh, innovations is something which will keep on happening in different aspects. So one, be, be it macro or micro. Micro could be like, for example, look at your product. There'll be product innovations. For example, there were certain brands which never ever made masks till date. Now these brands are advertising masks on TVCs. So it's an innovation of sort, right? From a mm-hmm. uh, uh, from a non-category to a core category, it's become. So there'll be product-level yeah. innovations. There will be retail-level innovations. For example, as I said, three-hour delivery. Whenever in India has things been delivered in three hours. I had a very pleasant experience with uh, one of the e-commerce players where uh, I wanted a certain swimwear cap for myself. And I ordered it at 11 p.m. in the e, uh, in the night, and it they got delivered to me in the 7 a.m. in the morning. And I wore that cap at 8 a.m. in the morning for my swimming session. And I was like, for the entire day, I could not believe what just ex- like the experience I had and the kind of uh, enormity of it. That I thought about the product at 11 p.m. and I had it in my on my head at 8 a.m. in the morning. So these kind of experiences yeah. are something which is also part of innovation. Uh, mm-hmm. there'll be innovations at technology there'll be innovations at supply chain processes yeah, quite an interesting one at that yeah. so all of these are going to happen uh, things will become exciting uh, in fact as a millennial myself i believe we are at one of our most exciting times for ourselves to be in because the industry i'm in particularly mm-hmm. e-commerce is half of my age and i don't think there are any first principles rules that have been laid which cannot be changed so all you have to be is constructive, innovative, and positive about bringing a decent value mm-hmm. to your consumer or to the people who you work with. And I think anybody and everybody in sane mind would allow you to do carry on if you have something really cool to offer. Yeah. Thank you so much, that sir, for answering such wonderfully. It is so good to have a mic in as our speaker for the day. We know that we built so many stories at that place and we are eagerly waiting to go back when the situation gets back to normal or the closest version of what the normal could be so that we also get an opportunity to create many more memories while we are still at Micah. But you've been there for two years. So tell me, Sadat, what are your fondest memories of Micah? 
to be uh, very candid about it i think it's been 5 years post mica for myself i remember mica as that dream once lived so yeah those three, two years for me were a dream my girlfriend and my closest set of friends is what i is what mica gave me in fact i often tell my friends there is a family that you are born into and there is a family you choose which is your friends the other of my my family which is my friends is what i found at mica so for me mica is that one place which will always be and in fact that's why i keep uh, revisiting different anecdotes different stories which happened at mica a lot of cool things which uh, i got to uh, hear understand in fact it helped me gather a perspective in life because a lot of things is something which i understood after coming into mica where i started accept- being more acceptable about perspectives about opinions about nuances cultural nuances and i realized that there is nothing which is right and wrong it is the way you look at things and uh, that's how i started looking at things and i think for most of the people who are at mica who i keep meeting who are either in the campus or just passed out i just tell them that take this opportunity to kind of uh, meet a lot of new people in fact one of our old professors uh, had said to me a very interesting thing is when i asked him that uh, how do you kind of he was my interviewer uh, he interviewed me when i was getting into the campus and i asked him how do you look at uh, candidates on what basis do you evaluate candidates so he said a very cool thing he said if and during my time we had a batch of 160 if you hire 160 very intelligent people it will be difficult for you to survive inside because there'll be so much competition there'll be cutthroat competition people would be wanting to cut each other there'll be a lot of class participation of the other kind and all of that will happen and if we hire 160 fools it will be difficult for us to survive which is the professors that because we'll have to tolerate all the stupidity that would happen with 160 fools so he said a very interesting thing that in 160 people they actually look to create the universe which we are going to see outside the world so this is something which mica gave to me where i met 160 of my batchmates who all came from different uh, backgrounds learnings had different perspectives in life different ambitions in life and trust me it uh, left me with lot of learnings and lot of things to take away from mica because uh, today i have an i have become more accepting of the kind of people i meet and yeah it's okay like everybody has their own thing and yeah you get to learn so much so for me this next 5 years after mica has been a big learning curve because i became so accepting at mica or else i could have just had my own rut or my own uh, Uh, thing that this is the mm-hmm. thing which is right everything is wrong no it's not that way mm-hmm. so some of the takeaways from your two years at campus that you you know that have helped you in establishing your career and made you you know stand out in the corporate setup that you would like to share with your mycan family because right now the entire mycan community might be listening to you so some you know takeaways that you would like to give them see i think there is no right answer to this in terms of what is the best way of doing things or how should you take two years at your campus before you decide to stand out like things which will make you stand out in the crowd first we'll have to be more learning or more accepting how do we stand in because when you go to a corporate setup or when you go to a new situation or a new setup altogether where you have 50 100 200 1000 strangers who you have to work with they first have to kind of make you feel one of their own rather than you kind of antagonizing them before you kind of make them feel a little uh, weird about you right so you'll have to first learn to how do you kind of stand in um, let them accept you as a person and then create an equity for yourself 
then create a, a place where you for yourself where you an ability to kind of create more value for yourself you develop an identity by inputs that you give by the kind of a person or an individual you kind of become a part of that big bigger family and that is where you kind of start creating a brand for yourself you yourself are a brand in a way you you're going to people are going to be remembering you once you passed out of pass out of your campus or pass out of your you move out of one organization to another all of that people will remember you in some other the way they'll remember they hate you for the person you were or they love you for the person you were and all the things you brought onto the table so i think that is where one needs to work where things people need to identify what are their strengths and weaknesses i think all your hard skills are very overrated it's about that soft skills what you bring out to as a person everything else can be learned the person if you're eager if you're understanding if you are more person who can actually work with different kind of people in different i would say adjustable adaptable all of these things that is where you first stand in and thereby you create an equity for yourself an identity for yourself to stand out so i think that's the important thing i think as a mikan i traveled a lot in my those two years all across gujarat during my internships all across north i think one should do that because if you're going to be a corporate resource or if you're going to be a professional in india one has to understand the professional as well as cultural nuances across the country so there is a lot of learning which happens when you meet a lot of people from different cultures right so absorb all of that because if you know how they behave how you anticipate how you can anticipate cultural nuances that will help you grow as a professional who will be serving to a certain kind of a consumer be it in fmcg durables consultancy anything i think mica during then maybe because of covid things have changed but during then it gave me a lot of opportunity to travel across different cities rurals uh, internship and we would pack our bags and move across the states to learn so that's my two cents for the batch batches to come and the people who are at the campus yeah agreed to everything that you said and the part where you talked about standing in before standing out is what mica i think teaches us all so the family and the learnings are all intertwined that was really an insightful and an interesting conversation that we had with you siddharth sir and we hope that all our listeners will learn immensely about the retail sector in our country and also this gives them a glimpse into the mycon edge thank you so much for taking the time out thank you peer it was great talking to you thanks sir peer thank you thank you so much it was a wonderful conversation